High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, all you high schoolers trying to fit in, and of course, those maybe older kids, if you will, who have taken a younger one under their wing. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the slumber party's at my place this evening, in theory. But school's still in session. And we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. First and foremost, a special shout out to our healthcare heroes out there and any of you other essential workers. And like I said, you non-essential workers too. Shout out to everyone. Thanks so much for listening today to High School Slumber Party. And speaking of our old quarantined situation, apologies if you can hear any music bleeding through in the background. I don't think so. I tried to go to a place where you can't, but my neighbor's playing some really loud music, so yeah, nothing I can do about that. Anyway, <laughs> we got to chat about your homework. Your homework, of course. First of all, happy birthday to us. Did you listen to our birthday episode on Monday? 16 Candles. It was awesome. It was definitely one of my favorites. Love having Shawnee on. If you didn't listen to it, make sure you do, because again, it was a blast, and wow, two years. And you know what that means, right? Whenever it's our birthday, that like signifies to me the end stretch of, you know, the school year, at least. And I know we're being homeschooled these days, but still. We're going to do the same thing we did last year. Eventually, we're going to do our awesome high school yearbook special. That'll be at the end of June, though. And, you know, I don't know. It's a stretch run, right? It's a stretch run, and I can't wait. I'm really curious to see if you guys have to do another year of summer school this year. I don't know. You've been kind of good this year, but still, John Cusack still blocks us on Twitter. That was my requirement. It's been a tough year, so maybe I'll reconsider. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, did you do your homework for this week? And no, I'm not talking about hitting that subscribe button, though you should have, whether it be on Google Play, whether it be on Spotify, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, whether it be on Stitcher. Hit that subscribe button. And if you can, leave a five-star rating. Write us a positive review. And most importantly, tell a friend about all the fun things we do here on High School Slumber Party. But of course, your other homework was to watch this film on Hulu. I think our first Hulu original film. And that's Big Time Adolescence with a big man right now, Pete Davidson. He has a Netflix special. He has a new movie, Prince of Staten Island. Or is it The King of Staten Island? It is indeed The King of Staten Island. It is semi-autobiographical. I can't wait to see that one as well because I really did enjoy 
this film, Big Time Adolescence. And I hope you did too, because the foodie films man himself, Kyle Reinfried, is here to talk about it. And speaking of me and the foodie films man, you could tell in this episode that we're not too... I don't know, on top of the current pop culture. I think we get some Pete Davidson, Ariana Grande facts wrong. But whatever. We're not hip at this point. You get that. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. And I brought the bell home with me. Don't forget that. (laughs) A couple other things before we start this episode. First and foremost, thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who attended our Zoom watch. It was really fun. The movie was, I actually don't know because I'm recording this right before the watch, so shh. But thank you for attending. We'll talk more about it on Monday and more on Monday at the end of the episode as well. But thank you for attending. I leave you with a song from the movie, a song that they actually buy on vinyl in the film, and Kyle really liked it. It's, well, the cover says Too Tough, but it's called Love Me For Real by Rim Kwaku Obeng Kasa. Hope I said that right. So pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're having a special Friday study session with Brian, because we're about to get our party on. Class dismissed. I feel like I haven't spoken to you in a while. It's, it's uh... <laughs> been a fortnight? Is that what's that besides a game that kids play now? A fortnight is like two weeks, I think, or something like that. Let's see. Fort. Does that fall into the four score? No, that's like four decades. Or is it, what's a score? Is it a fortnight score? is two weeks. A score is like eight years or something. Oh. How long is a score? <laughs> twenty. Twenty years. Sorry. Four. So it was eight. Eighty. Four score. And what is it, four score and seven years ago? Yeah, so 87, 87 years since wow. the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, all right. Yep. This, welcome <laughs> to, this is the history class. What an exciting start to high school slumber <laughs> party here. What a, let's talk about our film today, Gods and Generals. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there like a Civil War time like 
school, High school movie, movie even like school movie no. of sorts education movie no that, right? honestly like this is something that they did not even period pieces don't really go back to high school because like people didn't really go to school yeah it was <laughs> you know? like yeah what would those be like charter school i don't know it would just yeah be like, like it had to be like a boarding school yeah, from bo- like the yeah. 1800s military and, academy ah, that you went into at 12 yeah like it wasn't very common and if it was it was among the upper class and I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe there's the movie to be made. But I want to really see that movie now. Made. This is a high school appropriate story, and one of our many. I think those were Wednesday adventures we went on in between junior and senior year when I like had my license before you had it, and we went up to West Point and yeah. uh, got a tour of West Point. And we went the wrong way. They didn't look in the car. This is post nine eleven, but like I guess it wasn't as crazy of times as now but like we went like the wrong way to west point we were at a security check but i had like my long tripod bed bag (laughs) that could easily be like a rifle or something they don't look in it and we drive and we walked around campus like we didn't go on a a tour you know like no eventually we did oh yeah 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 and we learned about the Patton statue it was Patton, right what was this what was this it was that he's got binoculars but it's like looking the wrong way because he always said he was late going to the library and so they have oh yeah i think it's pat i don't think it's eisenhower i think it's pat no i was thinking of like macarthur his mom moved to west point when he went there and stayed in an apartment and she would look out at him while he was drilling and stuff what a mama's boy oh wow that sounds like something my mom would do (laughs) given that we only grew up like a half hour so 40 minutes away from west point not so much but maybe back then (laughs) point being Patton. that's the fun little story he always said he was he would be late for class or whatever or drills and say he couldn't find the library, and so they made a statue to commemorate him with holding binoculars looking in the direction of the library. Yeah, we used to do that Wednesday adventures. Those were fun. We, yeah. uh, like a bunch of old ladies just doing these tours of West Point and fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, and so then a 16 and 17-year-old joining them. But yeah, but point being, that's, yeah, I want to see that story. I want to see just like the academy i guess that wouldn't be high school yeah unfortunately not but there has to be something students in history or something i have to see not my oldest film but it just very well might be right but what film takes place the most back in time little women isn't considered like a high school film i don't really think so (laughs) you know i don't really think so dead poet society which i recorded already with our good friend john harden technically takes place like is that a period piece yeah yeah oh okay you never tell it like a boarding school but yeah let's see Dead yeah I, can, I haven't seen society. that movie in forever so i don't remember that takes place in 1959 american graffiti is around then yeah that's like 62 so i guess dead poet society is technically winning greece. i'll have to check yeah greece might be right before dead poet society yeah Gre- greece is around like elvis and bobby rydell so it's like 50 Six fifty-seven, fifty-eight, around then. Yeah, so, you know, we're getting there. So, yeah, things that took place in the 50s have been, so far, the oldest. We haven't had something in the Civil War. I can't well, believe that's that when, like, out. high school became, like, fun and, like, more rambunctious, <laughs> I guess, and, and, mo- and movie-worthy. Movie-worthy, for sure. I know we'll do, like, Rebel Without a Cause at some point, and that's, like, the mid-50s, so... Maybe that'll take the cake. <laughs> Unless that's a period piece, which I don't think it is. You know, I think it's just of the that era. That period. You... <laughs> but today's film is technically not a period piece. It's the opposite. It's a film that came out in wide release this year. It's a new film. It's a film I'd never seen before. I assume you'd never seen it before either? No, hadn't seen it. Uh, hadn't heard of it. Just happened to be able to watch it because my roommate in times of quarantine has done like the month-long subscription for Hulu. And the film, of course, is Big Time Analysis, 
the, from this year. And of course, we haven't done it yet, but you are Kyle Reinfried. <laughs> and you have to introduce yourself in the classic high school slumber party way. Yes, this is Kyle Reinfried, uh, class of 05 from Northern Valley Regional High School at Old Tapan. Go Golden Knights! Go Golden Knights. Awesome. Obviously, we are, well, I shouldn't say obviously, maybe this is a first time listen for somebody, but we host another podcast here in the Cage Club Podcast Network called P.S. I Love Hoffman, Phillips Zimmer Hoffman Podcast, but uh, we guest on so many things, and you've been on my show plenty of times, I've been on your show plenty of times, and we've been quarantine buddies, so I'm happy to have you on. Is this the first time I've, no, second time I've had you on since quarantine, because I had you on for The Substitute with Christian Larson. Yes, that was kind of like right in the beginning, I feel like. I don't know, time does not make sense anymore. It really doesn't. <laughs> that feels like months ago, really, it does. It doesn't help that, you know, I mean, especially I don't have any work right now. Like, I still have the concept of what day of the week it is. It hasn't fallen into that cat. I mean, every once in a while I'll be like, wait, wait, what day is it? But not like more than usual, the usual amount. Uh, just even, you know, that just comes from being like a freelancer and stuff like that. But time-wise, I'm like, really it's like for everything and it just doesn't help because we don't know when anything is going to come to an end so that's my pessimism for the episode time is contingent on like almost like a finite nature of it like even though time is infinite but it's called a weekend right you build to a weekend you build to an end of the month you build to an end of the year but this period we don't know when it's going to end or so. just even events in every single event yes. multiple weddings have been rescheduled i had to watch my phrase i've been told a lot recently not to say canceled i guess by me but you were one you're the latter of uh (laughs) of of my girlfriend saying it's it's not canceled there are some people who i've known who have canceled their wedding and just done something small with like you know parents themselves get married that's yeah so i don't know there's a multitude of like there's some people that are just like have rescheduled already or people that are like, we're still going to get married, we don't know what date, or there's people like, we're going to get married that day, and then we're going to figure out what to do like in a big group setting whenever this all settles, so I don't know. But nonetheless, like I had something in you know April, I've had, and then there was May, and then there was July, and every single one of these things have been canceled. And so it's just like I have no like, oh, well, it's, you know, like when you're, when you're looking forward to something... So, I don't know. Sometimes things go faster. Sometimes things go slower. But nonetheless, there's just nothing to grasp onto. Yeah, no. I mean, oof. oh, well, let's get like less depressed and talk about <laughs> big time analysts. And talk a depressing character in Pete Davidson's <laughs> Jesus Christ. Or person, maybe, some people would say. Yeah. So this is a film that I kind of had heard about because just from like doing this podcast, I'll Google like teen movies, sure. like what's coming out just to keep my ear on the rail if you know what i mean just like trying to get a grasp of what what's going on this year but i didn't know much about it godfather himself joey lewandowski i believe he saw it but i knew he was like hey did you see this movie that came out i feel like he's a big hulu guy i don't know if he's a big hulu guy but he's certainly a big watch movies that came out guy what does that mean like what am i trying to say cinephile cinephile but he's while he likes the classics He's more current. Garbage disposal? Garbage disposal. I would say that for like food for me, like I'll just eat Uh, anything. So maybe just like. That sounds too negative. No. No, Um, it's just like you just put anything down it. So you just like watch a movie. Like you don't like. He won't just watch anything. Oh, well, and I meant that in a positive way. Like he gives everything a shot. I wonder. Maybe he doesn't. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if he does, but I wonder if he'll take the fact that you call them a human garbage disposal. Of movies. As. 
<laughs> anyway, you can check Joey Lewandowski out on Too Fast, Too Forever, Hanks for the Memories, Cruise Club, and all the other great shows on KHClub.me. Regardless. And I'll no, post he's... his uh, message at me when he questions me about messages <laughs> again it to me that's like a, i just say like when people say like oh you want to eat something I'm like i'm a human garbage disposal like i'll just like totally like yeah let me try something let me take this down so for me that was meant as a positive i want to express that well he takes his year-end list very seriously like his 2019 is 2018 we know how high he was on paddington too so i feel like he feels like he has the responsibility to see a lot of new films every year yes and he has this theory that i mean i'm not against but and he's talked about it on the show that every year has great movies like nostalgia yes exists and there are some years that have been better than other but every year has going to have bad movies every year is going to have good movies he always likes to highlight the good movies of the year i'm not sure how he felt about this one but that's the reason he saw it. He suggested it. And I don't know. I saw the trailer. I'm like, Kyle would be a good guest for this one. I don't know why, but it seems like the comedy might be up your alley. I feel like the humor, at least from the trailer, was something that you can get on board with. Oh, it's not the fact that I have a, a 16-year-old friend. <laughs> not the fact that you're literally the Pete Davidson character in this film. No, no, you're not. You're definitely not. I'm just covered in tattoos. I don't know. That's a really weird Pete Davidson. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was like, oh. <laughs> Okay, so every week I read like back of the DVD, back of the VHS, but this is technically now a Hulu film. So I'm going to read the Hulu description, which, by the way, is a lot longer than like Netflix, Amazon descriptions, or other, other streaming services. So I was appreciated that. So here goes. A seemingly bright and mostly innocent 16-year-old named Mo attempts to navigate high school under the guidance of his best friend Zeke, an unmotivated yet charismatic college dropout. Although Zeke genuinely cares about Mo, things start to go awry as he teaches Mo non-traditional life lessons in drug dealing, partying, and dating. Meanwhile, Mo's well-meaning dad tries to step in and take back the reins of his son's upbringing. Uh, he doesn't really step in. Like one of my biggest, like I'm like these parents are kind of really laid back, like with pretty hard evidence of that. Um, <laughs> that Zeke is not a good role model. Also, did it ever mention that he was a college dropout? No. I just assumed he never went to college, you know, which, whatever. Yeah, I don't even remember, like, a throwaway line, like, you got into that college, and like, or you gave it, like, a semester and nothing. Like, I don't know. I feel like that was just a way to show that he, like, this is not a high schooler, you know? I think that's, like, a never-attended college person. But we'll get into all the nitty-gritty of this film uh, here's the production notes. The director is Jason Orley. This is his first feature film that he's ever directed. He seems to be someone who's worked on sets for a while. Like, his name comes up in a lot of... Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, like IMDb, like other films, but it's like Assistant 2, the Assistant 2, whatever. But it's nice to see that, right? Because you and I have talked about this maybe on air, but certainly off air. It's rare that you see, like, a director rise from being a PA or being someone's assistant, you know, like it, that usually doesn't happen. Sorry to burst everyone's bubble out there. I don't know. I was happy to see like this guy clearly paid his dues, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a while since I've seen someone like it saying like assistant director then, or even like, I don't know. The IMDb credits now are pretty much like, it's like writer, director, like not as many, but also like you have to like log on that information too so we might not know that. Yeah, no, but like again, I like this is someone who he he seems pretty young. He didn't have like a Wikipedia page or anything, but fresh on the scene but not like someone who's 
I don't know, unfamiliar with Hollywood, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Knows his way around a set, so took that knowledge and uh, directed his first feature film. So awesome. Now, this film debuted at Sundance last year. What, what time of the year is Sundance, by the way? February. Like, it's like in the winter, right? Yeah, so it's early. It's weird, because like, you and I have talked about this on Hoffman. Like, When do you count the date for the film? Like, Is, it, is this a 2020 film because the wide release? Or is this a 2019 film because that's when it was actually debuted at a festival? I don't know. I don't know what to count, right? They usually count the wide release. I would think so, but I know in the past... You know, Joe and I have discussed it. It's a weird thing. Joe's getting mentioned a lot on this podcast. I hope he appreciates it. (laughs) (laughs) You better appreciate it, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Sundance originally was just kind of like a place to show independent films, but now it's become like a showcase. Giant gift bags galore. (laughs) Well, yes, that. For like not just streaming services, but networks and distribution companies to be like, hey, I want to buy that. And Hulu. Which, I gotta be honest with you, I'm not too familiar with their other films. This is the first Hulu, quote-unquote, original film that I've ever seen. Um, How about you? Had you ever seen another Hulu film? No, just because I don't have Hulu. Like, I just got it, so. I remember about a month ago, you sent me a message about a Netflix teen film, and you're like, oh, you should cover this. And I was like, you know, I would love to, but honestly, between Disney+, Plus, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, Amazon, like, a little less, but... There's at least one or two teen films a month that they make, and a lot of them they just like debut and throw out because they're terrible. Not that they delete it for the service, but they don't promote, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Netflix is the king of that. Netflix has like oh. at least one a month, if not more. Well, Netflix just uh, passed its worth more now than Disney. Technically, but that's also because of coronavirus because the parks aren't yeah, generating the parks money. Yeah, because the parks and everything like that. Yeah, I get it. People think like the parks are like ancillary things or advertisements like no the parks are like huge Huge revenue (laughs) there's been times where if they didn't have the parks the studio would have closed but (laughs) that's another story for another day i definitely again want to cover some of the original teen movies on disney plus i haven't really found a co-host for that because as i imagine the disney plus teen movies are very um sanitized you know they're very uh geared toward maybe younger teens no boobs yeah definitely no boobs (laughs) This is definitely not. So Hulu paid $4 million for the rights to this film. And I have to imagine that's probably equal or somewhat around the budget. And if not, it's a lot of money for like a film that I am imagine a lot of people did this movie on scale. It had a wide release in March. Oh, oh yeah. Duh. Forget what months are what now and what <laughs> happened when. The problem was the wide release was just for, like, in case it could get nominated for awards, as we see, like, with The Irishman, right? Like, that happened, too. So, like, it's quote-unquote wide release, but it was, like, the minimum theaters possible that can screen it so that it counts as an official movie so Steven Spielberg won't complain. <laughs> Boy, it's been rough times for Pete Davidson. His um, new movie, the Judd Apatow, I, don't, I think directed? Definitely produced. But it's like King of Staten Island that's kind of like semi-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest. I definitely want to get into that. So this film, though, it was supposed to come out, I think, in May on Hulu. Like, they wanted, like, some buzz from the theaters. And then, like, boom, Hulu's got it. Like, that was their plan. But once the coronavirus thing happened to all of us, they're yeah. just like, fuck it. And, like, a week after it came out on the theaters, they released it on Hulu, which I feel bad for. And I'm glad you brought up the, what's it called? The Something of Staten Island? King of Staten Island, I believe. Yeah. This was supposed to be, like, Pete Davidson's year. This was supposed to be the time where he said, fuck all of you. I know a lot of the world hates me, but 
Let me like make a couple good movies. Let me have a couple stand-ups. You mentioned, I think, off-air, right? That he has a stand-up on Netflix now. Like, all this was supposed to come out in sequence, and this was supposed to kind of be like, oh, wow, Pete Davidson, he's not just, like, dude with dyed hair. He's actually a really, really uh, talented, intelligent guy. I'm not saying he's not, but I do feel bad for him and other artists who kind of geared themselves for a certain moment, and that's not happening now. And certainly, Pete Davidson is at the top of that class. Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of stuff going on in his personal life, and then just with the cast of SNL, like, reaching out to him, making sure that he's okay, and kind of just keeping him around on there, and he would start being parts of, like, their sketches again, but, uh, yeah, he was really revving up to, like, between these the two films, his stand-up special, which, you know, they'll still be out there for people to discover, but... Yeah, definitely. He was self-imploding. This is just kind of like, you know, I mean, this is a global thing, obviously, happening right now. So hopefully he takes it in stride and just recognizes, like, it's not the world against him or anything like that. Yeah, it's something where, like, he's a guy that I want to like. I see reasons not to like him sometimes, but I think he gets a bad rap. The dude was like a set SNL castmate, younger than you and I, could probably even talk to girls, you know? And even if we did, we were just immature as hell. I get why he was having issues, if that makes sense. There was like more than 20 years difference with like his oldest castmate on SNL. Yeah. It's pretty like intense. And I don't know, I don't know if this is going to be a Pete Davidson love fest or not. But, you know, there's a lot of, like, his background. He's such a New Yorker. You know, He's he even has, like, a New York accent. Apparently, like, I think as of last year, he still lived in Staten Island with his mother, which is great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's, like, crazy. Again, I don't want to mention this because it's mentioned in every interview, but I will. Like, his father passed away in 9-11. Only mention it being a New Yorker. Yeah, and it was changed his life forever. And he, it, I wouldn't expect that not to have an effect on him. So, But I'm not going to go try and play therapist right now, obviously. Yeah. That's not our job. He had a great, if you guys want to check this out, he had a great like interview with Mark Marin way back when. Whenever he interviews on like podcasts and stuff, he sounds like a really intelligent guy. Uh, I think like the younger people know him a lot because he dated Ariana Grande for like a while and that was a weird kind of relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if anything, I really, I don't know a lot about him. I just do know like headline kind of stuff. I guess I've seen most of the stuff he's in now, but yeah, like that stuff I don't care for or like maybe I won't like, I won't read something then have like sympathy when it comes to like Hollywood drama. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird, right? Like, it's something that, like, I think of, like, my cousin Pumpkin, who we've talked about on the show. Like, maybe not him, but I know his generation definitely recognizes, like, the Pete Davidson, Ariana Grande thing as something. Like, this is something that makes me feel kind of old, right? Like, it's like a little a little past us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We weren't, like, eating this up like other people were. <laughs> you want to know what makes me feel old is when they have, like, the flashback in the beginning of this movie, and it's, like, six years ago, and it shows, like, Dark Knight Rises, Prometheus, and Brave. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, God, yeah, like, we're getting to a point that, like, those movies are, like, time, you know, speaking, bringing up all this, like, n- not understanding of time, but they're, like, time significant to make you go, like, oh, yeah, that was a little while ago now. Yeah, okay. But... Like, usually when we look back, right, it's about, like, things in our childhood. You feel old when you look back at things in adulthood. <laughs> yeah. 
I just sent you a picture of one of my favorite memes, and it has Pete Davidson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Ari- Arianda with the lollipop. Yeah, like him looking all dark and brooding, and and her with a lollipop looking like lovingly at him, or at least it's like what the meme shows. Like, oh, he's, wear- he's wearing a cool t-shirt, though. I think it's Robert Pattinson in Good Time, which is a phenomenal movie. Oh, I've never seen that movie. That's on Netflix or Amazon. It's definitely... Robert Pattinson is the man. Uh, cinephiles are going to be hating me right now. Uh, oh, this uh, Safdie brothers, they directed, uh, you know, Adam Sandler movie, Uncut Gems as well. And we have a lot of love for Robert Robert Pattinson on this podcast as the king of Twilight. Oh, yes. Yeah, you, you're just doing your Twilight run, right? Or I've seen a lot of Twilight talk with uh, Joe, too. Yeah, because uh, so we've decided to do Twilight Forever. It's not as much as Too Fast, Too Forever, but we're going to do all five What's Twilight. What's Too Fast, Too Forever? It's a show on the Cage Club Podcast Network. It's oh, wow. Me. But, like, we're not just watching every Twilight film every week. We're going to do all five? I think there's five. We're going to do all five every year until this podcast ends. And instead of, like, you know how they have laps on that show, every year we're going to have a different person. So Joe, too, has volunteered, and we we signed him up to do um, – he'll be our guest with, of course, I didn't mention her yet, but Kate Hudson – of Pajiba is my co-host on our Twilight Forever episodes, and I've never seen them all. I'm doing the run with her first, and then we'll bring Joe too on because he's intrigued and he started watching them all. He liked some of some of them, hadn't seen some of them, but we're excited for that one. But let's talk the cast of this film because I bring up the fact that I feel old with this cast as well. So our lead is not Pete Davidson, though. Like it seems like a Pete Davidson film. I would say our lead is Griffin Gluck, who plays Monroe. Or yes. quote-unquote Mo. I'd seen him in a lot of stuff before, actually. Well, he was in that movie Tall Girl. So, yes, he was in Tall Girl, which I do want to cover on here. It's so ridiculous. But, yeah, that's Netflix teen films for you. But he was also in American Vandal. Did you check that out? No, what's that? You didn't see American Vandal? Oh, my God. I can't believe you didn't. I'm being serious. I can't believe you did not see American Vandal. Uh, what is it? That's that mockumentary on Netflix about the, the penis drawings. I have no idea what this is. Oh, my God. Kyle. Well, have we not talked about this? This is like from a couple years ago. I don't know. I don't talk about penis drawings all the time. We're going to take a pause (laughs) because I'm going to send this to you. Okay. And you're going to watch this trailer. It's just not the way I thought things were going to go. I was going to graduate high school, get my degree in my engineering. I know I didn't do it. It is a shocking scene for Hanover High teachers today. The vandal spray painted obscene images on 27 cars. Oh my God. I'll never understand what's so amusing about penises. Everyone thinks I did it. Everyone. Dylan definitely did it. Of course he did it. He's like a known dick drawer. What's he from? The evidence, it's overwhelming. I spoke to expel Dylan Maxwell for vandalizing the vehicles. My name is Peter Maldonado, and I believe there are legitimate arguments for Dylan's innocence. Ball hairs. <laughs> the ball hairs. Ball hairs. They're different. It's just one piece to the puzzle. This is gonna take way more than just ball hairs. They say he deleted the security footage. There's no way. <laughs> is the stupidest kid I've ever met. He's trying to convince you some sort of conspiracy. There just isn't one. Oh my god! Everyone got sequels. 
the administration has something to hide. This isn't about dicks. This is about the justice system. You don't stand a chance. All of you stop coming right now! They got the wrong guy. I mean, there's still someone out there. You've never seen that trailer? No, but in my defense, so I mean, I'm obviously I'm sure there were like articles about it and that kind of stuff too, but as we know, I don't know how to read. Um, <laughs> no, because I hate the pop-up stuff of Netflix and stuff starting okay. and that, Fair. like, I don't watch a lot of crime stuff because I just like, I gave into Tiger King, but I just watch it. Those stuff should be called different, something different than like docu-series because it's just so edited it's just a step above reality tv oh definitely definitely but that's why american vandal is amazing american vandal is a mockumentary of no exactly it's a mockumentary but in the beginning before they start showing the spray-painted dicks i probably went like ah fuck this another like (laughs) like crime thing before i realized it was like a mockumentary i don't remember like seeing any of this so it's not like you know yeah whatever year it came out it was one of my favorite shows of the year you have to definitely check it out because again it just mocks exactly what you're talking about yeah, it just like how, really how... didn't uh penetrate me <laughs> thank you oh man it's so good but he's the star he was the star of that show it's since you know doesn't have any more seasons i don't want to say it was canceled because that's stupid remember netflix did like a purge when they weren't doing so well they like literally canceled everything so yeah, they canceled American Vandal in that. But regardless, I recognized him from that. I recognized him from a bunch of stuff. He's definitely very talented. I hope to see more of him. Of course, Pete Davidson, who we mentioned. I did want to mention this note. I think a lot of the Pete Davidson like fuckboy persona is warranted. But I think a lot of it comes from his SNL photo. If you watch SNL, his like intro photo is him bleach blonde looking like an idiot uh-huh. for a while for whatever like season that they shot this movie i know that season i think he was dating ariana grande yeah didn't he even have like leopard spots on his hair or something like that or is that just a manifestation that i'm giving him to make him even seem more douchey <laughs> i'm not sure but the reason he died it was for this film and that was like when the paparazzi was taking a lot of photos of him oh that's when, wow that's when snl happened to be like oh, we're doing the shoot this week <laughs> so, oh i just thought i thought that was like a britney shaved head move in his life or something like oh that. me too i thought the same thing but no he did it for this movie because like you know if it came out in february and sundance in 2019 he was shooting it in 2018 for sure at the very least yeah so yeah, yeah. a lot of like his character is this film and people don't know it if that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty brilliant like to know that now. <laughs> um, a lot of the other people I didn't recognize too much, but I thought that like the teens were great. Uh, Sydney Sweeney played, well, she's not a teen, but she played Zeke's girlfriend, Holly. Now, Colson Baker plays Nick, but most of you in the hip hop scene might recognize his alter ego, Machine Gun Kelly. And honestly, like, I, look, I could not name you one Machine Gun Kelly song, but this guy's a good actor. Uh, Nick was like the friend. Uh, did you see the, um, what was it called? The Dirt on Netflix that was like the uh, Motley Crue biopic? Yeah, Pete Davidson's in that, yeah. Pete Davidson's in that, but also Machine Gun Kelly. He, Machine Gun Kelly was the one who played uh, Tommy Lee, who was Nick in this film. Oh, and Nick is just, yeah, Nick is one of 
Zeke's he's like in that sweatsuit. Yeah. He's the one who doesn't know that, like, yeah, that he's sixteen. Is, yeah. <laughs> so wait, this is a recording artist. I really don't. I've yeah, he's a rapper. Of... He's like oh, a okay. never heard of him popular before. rapper among the youth. That's why I said you were gonna feel old when I went over this. Yeah, I yeah, still like a, a white rapper. Like I get really confused <laughs> yeah. by that. It's only Eminem. But he goes by his real name when he's acting, Colson Baker. But oh, yeah, okay. he. I thought he was really great in this too. I thought the friend Stacy Epstein was really good. He was played by an actor called Thomas Barbuska. And it's funny because his actual sister played his sister in this film. Bunch of other people to hear. Una Lawrence. Yeah, Una Lawrence is Sophie. I thought she stood out. I was like, what is she from? She was the one thing I really uh, remember her from is uh, Southpaw. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was a lot younger in that, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, she put, yeah, I guess. She I mean, got a familiar face. They casted pretty age appropriate actors for the. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, for, for sure. For the high school royals. Emily Arlook, who I wasn't familiar with, played Mo's sister, Kate. And, I mean, we might as well mention the parents because John Cryer, High School Slumber Party Hall of Famer, if you will, yeah. is the dad. That was nice to see in, like, a teen film because he was in so many teen films. In his Lex Luthor look. <laughs> yeah, his Lex Luthor look. But we talked about him on a, a film we did recently, Hiding Out. But, of course, he's in Pretty in Pink. I, I liked seeing him in this role here. And his wife was played by Julia... Murney. Had you recognized the wife before? No. I hadn't either, but she was pretty significant, so I thought I'd mention her. So let's get into it. What were your favorite moments in this film, especially early on as we talk about the movie? Uh, well, Pete Davidson, or Zeke, is wearing an awesome Giants hoodie, so... Where is this movie supposed to take place? It doesn't say, but it was shot in the Syracuse area. Okay. But, you know, Pete Davidson, the New York guy, so... Yeah, because Moe's sister says that her boyfriend is in New York, like, to Zeke at one point. And it just, like, felt weird. If you grow up close to a city, you're going to end up calling that city the city, I feel like. Yeah, just the way she said New York, I wasn't uh, sure. But as far as uh, favorite moments, I mean, I I liked uh, in the beginning just showing the relationship with Zeke and Mo, And it kind of made it, under you know, you'd understand it a little bit more. It still is weird much more so like it goes to i think the parents the sister not coming out and saying anything and then like obviously on zeke and then to mo there's just a cascade of like just lack of responsibility i feel like in this movie <laughs> oh i liked that part because it, to me it, it reminds you of just something that just happens right so what you're talking about is like the early scenes mo is young and zeke is dating his older sister when he was in high school yeah so they're six years apart so like at the time i think like yeah that's supposed to be like a 16 year old 17 year old and 11 year old or you know like right around that age did you say 11 teen did i <laughs> i thought you did anyway oh. yes an 11 year old and a 16 year old around that like you're saying and he cheats on the sister. It's not, we don't see it, but it's kind of obvious. And she dumps him. She seems like she was off to do better things than him, you know, quote unquote, anyway. But they, they always got along so great. And there's, to me, there's that great moment early on when uh, young Mo is like, hey, can we hang out still? And he's like, no, we really can't do that. He's like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, why don't you know? We could hang out for an hour, right? Yeah. <laughs> What are you doing? Get in the front. Oh, I'm not allowed to sit in the front because of the airbag. Don't be weird. Hey, Z. I'm drive through lady knows your name. Hell yeah, little homie. Sick. And then that becomes six years of them becoming 
best friends. I actually really like Pete Davidson's character here. Uh, I, I liked Zeke because he is just someone who didn't grow up. Like, he was cool, apparently, in high school. And instead of, like, progressing to adulthood, he just kind of stayed the same. Yeah, uh, it's a different side of, like, I feel like these kind of characters we've seen before. I feel like we get the representation of like the cool jocks that then that was their moment to shine was high school. But this was kind of like someone in the middle of, you know, popularity realm, I feel like. So it was, it was definitely interesting to see that perspective of like that kind of person from high school, just not really going anywhere. And Pete Davidson, I definitely think he's the MVP of this movie. And I do like the character in the sense of entertaining and and interesting it definitely gets to a point that i'm like oh my god like just so many wrong decisions but uh, so I, i'm not disagreeing with you I, I definitely got to that point but and we'll get to it but the way it ends justified all that for me just there's little bits in here that i was cracking up at uh, you know time progresses and moe's in high school and zeke the Pete Davidson character is living on his own, but he's still kind of stunted, if you will. He's still pretty much the same person he was in high school. Yeah, all he's he's working at like a Best Buy kind of place or PC. Richard. Yeah, like a PC Richard yeah. in, in like the New York area, and he still feels like he's a sage to Mo. But when you like you and I with perspective, like older people could be like. Yeah, he really doesn't have that much more uh, maturity to be giving this kind of advice, so he really shouldn't be. But there's that early scene when um, he's driving and he has Mo take the wheel while he eats pasta through the Tupperware. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, like Mo's mom gave uh, him pasta, and then Zeke is eating it, and Mo's <laughs> takes the wheel while he's consuming said pasta. Well, I haven't seen it in this kind of like age distribution. I definitely have seen this kind of one-sided friendship. And that's what this is, right? Well, I don't think Zeke thinks so, or Mo thinks so. Like Zeke definitely uses Mo for a lot of stuff, and almost amass the fact that he's a pretty lonely dude. <laughs> yeah, he's a sad character. Like it's a funny exchange. We don't know. Like I would assume that maybe something happened. Seeing later that like he definitely, but well, his girlfriend at the time in this movie, I forget her that character's name but uh you know that he probably cheated on her because he doesn't have <laughs> uh, a great moral Holly. compass yeah but just like his he's just like what she used to be fat now she's skinny so summertime she wasn't wearing much i liked it and said wow like you know it's like <laughs> pete davidson is funny in this movie it's a funny movie it's, it's funny because a lot of the critics say this movie is less funny than i expected but has a lot more heart than i expected and I kind of expected that going in, but I laughed a lot at this film, especially at, like, again, the Pete Davidson bits. The Pete Davidson bits, I think this movie has kind of, like, a cool soundtrack to it. I recognized uh, the album Too Tough and, like, the song, like, when they buy the record store and then they, like, they're caught off guard. Oh, yeah, he's, like, yeah. he's like, oh, this album fucking looks cool. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> he said we can keep the change? He didn't really say, so, I mean, I guess so. All right. You know I invented that pimps and hoes party, right? You've mentioned it a few times, yeah. Well, do people talk about it? Like that I created it? Uh, not really. But I know. Hey, when were you gonna tell me that your sister moved in with a new hot-ass boyfriend? How'd you find out? 
Does it matter? I don't know. You guys broke up so long ago, I didn't think you'd care. I don't. I don't care. I just, I like to be informed. Don't you like to be informed? It's nice to be informed. Oh, this looks sick. Let's get this. Yo, what are you doing? Don't worry, we're not going to need all of it. Relax. He is like, I mean, I know, I know Pete Davidson has done his Adam Sandler and SNL before. He does have like the Adam Sandler, especially like little Nicky quality to him. He's like a bad boy, Adam Sandler. Like he really is. You know, like Adam Sandler for a while had like innocent quality. Pete Davidson doesn't have that, but he's just as good, I'd say. Yeah. No, like I love this character for a lot of reasons. One of my favorite reasons is he's never putting the effort to do things. But he's always saying these outrageous dreams he has. Like early on, he's like, I decided what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to be a talk show host. Or even before <laughs> that, the whole acting thing. And then that comes full circle oh, yeah. at the end in the fast food joint that he's working at. A lot of foodie scenes here. There is a lot of foodie scenes. I, I liked, I wrote down about the sushi date. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll talk more about like their relationship in a little bit, but. That date was great, and you know, like you said, towards the end and that final scene. Oh yeah, I, I wrote a screenplay. He's like, you did? And he's like, oh yeah, it's blah blah blah. And he's like, oh, can I read it? He's like, oh, I didn't write it yet. It's <laughs> sadly, it's I related head. to that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then when when uh, when he says to uh, when uh, Mo says to John his dad, um, he's like, he's starting a podcast. I'm like, oh boy. Like it was just like <laughs> I know on, I'm, I know like, I'm not Zeke. <laughs> but like in a different like we've we've you're the king of scenarios and we've definitely discussed this. It's like when either meeting people or characters, it's like what had to happen for you to get that way? And it's just like this is a character that's just like I I don't think because I, I definitely didn't have the same kind of high school I was de- experiences as him, and I think that definitely plays a role obviously anyone's life but in my life that i i was pretty reserved in high school as far as uh partying and stuff like that uh, pretty straight edge i know what you mean i definitely know what you mean i feel like there's a darkness in everyone that could have become this person <laughs> but they also mentioned podcast too when he says you know i'm gonna be a talk show host and then mo goes Oh, so you're going to start, like, a podcast? And he's like, no, I mean, like, Kimmel, right? And I'm thinking you could be on it. Like, you could be, like, my sidekick. Like, <laughs> Yeah, my uh, Andy Richter, my Guillermo. <laughs> yeah, my Guillermo. <laughs> and, again, this is just, he's delusional, you know? He, he's so delusional. But there's something about him that, like, I'm rooting for him, but we don't really get a win here, that's for sure. In terms of the high school relevance of this film, it kind of... Uh, really kicks off like if it wasn't for mo and his high school things this film would just be a bunch of them sitting in zeke's house which by the way he inherited from his dead grandma it's not like he bought the house or something but his i guess if you want to call this mo's friend he kind of says he has no friends but he, he does it's that one kid i mentioned his name before stacy and Stacy's like, oh, yeah, you know, let's go to the cool senior party, but you got to bring the alcohol. And Stacy's just saying this because he knows that Moe's friends at Zeke and he knows that Mo will buy him the alcohol. I'm sorry, the Mo Zeke connection, we'll call it. Yeah, yeah, with with that, like, relationship between Mo and you said is the, that character Stacy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's weird because, like, it's early on, I think the first time we meet 
him is when Mo is hung over and throwing up in the toilet and he's like, Oh, it's, it's <laughs> Thursday or whatever. So yeah, like he knows about the relationship between Mo and Zeke, but at the same time, like we don't get like that typical, it's not like the cliche buddy relationship that like he finds somebody else and he's hanging out with him for a while. So it's almost more like that he's then using him for that hookup. Like, I didn't really consider them that much of friends. Like, it's not like we, o- we only see them, like, having these brief conversations in school. And then, obviously, him at the party. And right away, he just, like, when Mo- at the first party scene, Mo shows up and um, Stacy takes the alcohol from him right away and just, like, goes and shows everybody. Yeah, no, they're certainly not, like, true friends by any sense of the word. His only real friend is Zeke. But they're kind of, you know, they're acquaintances. They know each other. It's not like they don't not talk to each other or anything. And we start to get, I guess, like plot progression in terms of <laughs> when Mo tells Zeke things, he always has something to say. He always has like a piece of advice that maybe sometimes is right, maybe sometimes is wrong. Uh, for example, you know, that's what you mentioned, like buying the album. But when he gets all that cash for like the alcohol, <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> You know, teenagers don't know what the fuck they're they're uh, drinking. They buy what bottles of vodka and they water all them down. Yeah, they water them down. Yeah, <laughs> they use the extra cash to buy those records. Yeah, it's just like it definitely reminded me of again not the social circle that I was with in high school, but just you know like having grown up with you know the same people from like kindergarten through eighth grade, and then we get to high school and them starting to either whether it was like smoking pot or i was definitely i that's actually pretty much like i thought i thought the only drugs that were being done in our school was like smoking pot and like steroids boy was i wrong <laughs> <laughs> like after uh you know a couple of uh, news articles later learning certain things about certain people we went to school with but anyway yeah just like that level of oh it wasn't you know we weren't cool or having any fun before this is the fun thing to do now and Mo is in that awkward place that he he still never. We I mean, does he ever smoke weed? He gets I know he gets hot boxed. Does he ever? No, like he hold, never. He never voluntarily smokes weed. He yeah, okay. He ta- he does the what was that thing called a home run right? Like the concoction of all the different things. Oh yeah yeah yeah. He does I, that. Yeah. He drinks. He he drinks a fair share, but he doesn't really. People casually drink in this movie, like in the sense of when he when he goes to Holly's house when she when she texts mm-hmm. Mo to come over and he doesn't know that she and Zeke broke up, and she's like, "Are you gonna have a drink?" And she just has like a bottle of vodka in her room or whatever <laughs> clear alcohol. These aren't the the quote unquote winners of society here. No, but just the way uh, they're taking swigs straight from the bottle, it's like pretty crazy like and like obviously been a while since i was hanging around or just in that age group but like i guess i was in college when i learned about what i don't know if everyone calls it this but edward 40 hands and they do that in this movie oh that's what that is where they tape the yeah when they tape yeah like it's like usually 40 ounces of like malt liquor that gets you fucked up Um, yeah i never did that before because i just from more from the standpoint of where um uh, i forget that um actor's name but he um is all taped up and uh can't go to the bathroom i was like there's no like i, I don't want to like <laughs> i don't know oh, that's, I, funny. I, that's machine gun I, kelly right is that the one who happens to or, or the other friend no it's the black actor the oh, okay. okay he's a comedian i forget his name so that that realm of 
partying and everything like i guess i i mean I'm sure it existed when we were in high school um, maybe it's even crazier now i don't know but it just like the, to me still there was just like very casual drinking and just the way his parents again just the way they reacted to him coming home so stoned from you know being like hot box or whatever uh which also get i mean you know like i i guess john Cryer says it towards the end of the film towards zeke like mo should have known better you know so yeah as a high school high school should schooler should definitely know better as far as like becoming a drug dealer so so let's get to like what you're talking about here right zeke pete davidson when he hears that Mo is going to this party and getting the alcohol, and he's like, yo, you should sell weed. I got this weed for like $20, but sell each of the things for like $100 a piece. And he's like, I don't know. Uh, and then he kind of like eventually justifies it. Like, they're going to get this stuff anyway. It's, you and I might as well make the profit from it. And I, I, I think he starts one. He really, for whatever reason, and you get it because he's known him since he was young, he really respects Zeke. And two, it ends up being so easy. And there is a bit of acceptance when he first sells that weed. Side note, that original party, and I know the parties get bigger as they go on. It's one of my favorite high school parties that I've ever seen on film because it was so much more realistic to the high school parties that the little ones I knew of, and I knew the ones that I knew existed. Um, well, it was called the Pimps and Hoes Party. And maybe not that part, right? But I was expecting him to walk through the door, and we were going to see this, like, intense high school party. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> that we see in, like, Can't Hardly Wait or all these other great films, right? Yeah. But but no, it was just, like, first he walks in, and it's just, like, a dad who kind of doesn't care. It's a big house, but he's like, oh, they're in the basement. And he walks down to the basement. I just even love, because it's even more awkward than that. It's just, like, that weird eye contact that you sometimes (laughs) have with parents, like, that you don't know. Especially back then, right? Yeah, exactly. And and he's just, like, he's, like, downstairs. He doesn't go, like, oh, they're all downstairs. Have a good time. He's like, yeah, they're downstairs. And that dad, like, this, just to the credit of this movie is, like, a recurring, like, funny little Mm -hmm. character moments. And so... I like it. Yeah, and that was definitely something that existed when we were growing up. There was plenty of parties that happened, like, that the parents knew about and just did not care. Yeah, Um, they also fall into the category, like, a similar thing, what Pete Davidson is saying, like, well, they're going to get it somehow, we might as well profit. It's like, the parents are like, they're going to do it anyway, might as well let it happen, like, quote-unquote, safe under our own roof. Yeah, which I don't agree with either of those things, but no, (laughs) It's definitely something people say, you know, you and I obviously grew up in the same high school area and we know like what the suburban life was like and this is very much a suburban story that's why you know when you asked if it was near new york it made so much sense like it definitely feels like very close to our upbringing we didn't do these things obviously but yeah i wasn't sure if it was like the jersey suburbs or like staten island or long island suburbs or something like definitely felt more like that than upstate so who knows yeah but it didn't really say so maybe like yonkers area i don't know (laughs) yeah so he first starts dealing pot and then they're like oh they start asking him for things like can you get me molly can you get all this other stuff you ever fucked on molly oh my god (laughs) and i get from both perspectives pete davidson obviously a he's making money b he flat out says he's like oh we can fuck these kids over uh he's remember when he's in his room and he's looking through all the drugs he's like 
this is Molly. Here's some Propecia. Throw that in, you know? Like, yeah, you'll appreciate that later. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, throw it in. They don't know what they're doing. And it works. Like, he's selling this stuff for, like, crazy amounts. And yeah, again, he, become, I get, like, he becomes cool and he's even making fun of, like, when, the, like, can you give me, like, what's your good weed? It's like, good weed. Yeah. Like, oh. I love that line because it's like, yeah, like, what's your best weed? Something like that. Like, just, it's so good. And he just continues and, and escalates, and obviously things are going south. But at that point, he's not seeing the consequences. He's only seeing, like, the plus side of things. I think where this movie really, like, uh, besides, for again, like, ending Pete Davidson stuff, I think one of the moments where, like, it really has a lot of heart is the realistic nature between Moe's relationship with Sophie, who, you know, she's that other high school student. Mm-hmm. She's great. Uh, we mentioned her name, Una Lawrence. I think, like, they have a lot of chemistry. It doesn't seem like one of these high school romances where it's like, oh, here's this hot, popular girl. She suddenly likes this dork, you know? She had this great, as he mentions, like, sarcastic personality, and she really liked him. Um, You mentioned the sushi scene before, and that was, like, their first date. And Yeah, it was sweet. What a sweet, like, perfect for me, like, high school first date. No one's trying to one-up anyone as they do later. No one's trying to be a dick. They're like, oh, this is my first date, too. You know what also made me feel old was the fact that after, then, like, when they go to the house afterwards and then she Ubers back home, I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) But you mentioned it. It's kind of, not that it's ruined, because I think it's still salvageable at that point, but Pete Davidson earlier says, oh, you know what you should do? You should totally bring her bring her to the house after so you know so show that she could like chill with the boys and stuff so dumb yeah Such it's a... real it's dumb and it's awkward but at the same time like mo and zeke do have this really interesting relationship because like mo will call zeke out on stuff he's like don't be all zeke it's for you know for this like little brother like relationship even though they're best friend like that just the the all the oddities of their relationship it should be much more like that mo is always like the pushover and definitely like he is taken advantage of by zeke and just peer pressured into things but he does have these moments of even saying to zeke like not saying behind his back because he does say things to like sophie just like oh you know like taking zeke's advice will only get me as far as being zeke or stuff like that. I think he even says the same thing to Holly or something like that. But yeah, saying to him, just like, don't be all Zeke. Like, don't try to, like, embarrass me in front of her or whatever. It's interesting. It, it's very interesting. The dynamic is complicated. You're absolutely right. At certain times, it's big brother, little brother. But at certain times, they're equals. And later in the film, I think that even uh, Mo exceeds Zeke in maturity. Oh, definitely. I mean, just the fact that they have, in the same time period the conversation that Zeke and Mo's sister have where like this exact same thing happens that she, that he goes in for a kiss and the, Whoa, what are you doing? Like the fact that, you know, so a 16, 17 year old and like, then like a 23 year old are experiencing the same lesson with the like same situation. <laughs> it's sad. It's, it's sad. And, but then at least like, we'll show that like eventually, I would, would hope then that Moe's character does obviously evolve. And I think that's what the point of the his hesitation in like saying like, yeah, let's hang out tomorrow or whatever. And saying he's, you know, hanging out with his parents that night, you know, that's <laughs> do, definitely shows the progress. Yeah. And then, you know, just because you mentioned it, this whole time that Moe is trying to make things happen with Sophie, Zeke clearly still is in love with Moe's older sister, who is 
she's about to take the LSATs. She's moved on uh, emotionally. She's dating some lawyer guy, but she still occasionally sleeps with the bad boy that is Zeke. <laughs> and, and Zeke won't admit it. Like you feel like if Zeke which is was not like good a, of her. It's the fact that like the, no. like she's now ha- has moved in with her boyfriend. No, it's definitely not good. But it's something that honestly realistically happened oh yeah exactly it just doesn't obviously help her like i mean i know she says like that she's done with him and stuff like that and she doesn't love him in any kind of way anymore but it's just like it's just tough obviously in that case than to be pointing fingers when you're still doing something like that for sure for sure and what this movie does so well is that it creates characters that have depth that are very much not perfect and just, you know, like, they're very realistic characters in that sense. Yeah, uh, when, they, when they go to pick up her boxes, does anything happen? They show that shot that uh, the stuff was left in the back of Zeke's car. Mm-hmm. Does anything ever happen with it? I don't know, I felt like that might have been, like, a cut scene or something, but they made a point to show it. It's possible. It, it felt like we were going to get, like, a Ron Swanson, like, burn your exes, like, in an effigy kind of thing. Like... <laughs> But nope. This movie's great because there's moments where they could put a lot of heart in that they don't. They just decide to side with realism. Yeah. But when, when they pick up those boxes, like the relationship, like that was like a familiar one for me. Um, what? So Mo's sister's name is Kate. And then her um, boyfriend's name, I was just looking at it, Doug. And just the whole, the collecting artwork and stuff like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, it's just like so like the kind of like young douchey like they still don't like don't know where they are in the world like what place they are oh my god it's so good yeah he's like oh you know i'm collecting artwork and let me show you something he's like all right i like that you know there's a lot of good orange in here (laughs) yeah and and pete davidson's just like how dry he is just like it's so perfect in this scene just like all right like yeah (laughs) and uh you know as we've been talking about like uh both of them which is really not fair because Moe's doing the legwork, but I guess Zeke is like the supplier. But, you know, both of them are making a lot of money from selling to these kids as these parties get bigger and bigger and bigger. At one point, Zeke decides he kind of wants to be mature, and he doesn't say it, but he definitely wants to woo the sister back. And they go to an art museum, and (laughs) and he's like, oh, I like this painting. And he goes to the guy, like, how much? Like, excuse me? How much for the painting? I want to buy it. It's like that's not how that works here. <laughs> and you can go to the gift shop. And I don't know if you noticed, but in the back of the car when they have that like hot box scene, they did go to the gift shop and they have. Oh a yeah, frame. it's exactly it's it's framed, and then the guy that like joins them for the hot box, like he puts in the trunk, and then later on in the movie, it's on the wall and it like falls off the wall when uh, when Mo <laughs> leaves. By the way, I'm honestly I'm actually very disappointed that I just didn't say from the beginning, instead of saying Mo, can we just call him Tongue Daddy? Tongue Daddy! (laughs) Or just TD for short, that would be... (laughs) And also, I felt like, just because of high school movies, and obviously they can be pretty cheesy sometimes, I felt like a great alternate name for this movie, because uh, I I love the scene where they're... uh, watching him play baseball and he'd like and zeke like that's the call back to him like telling him to go short and he starts doing that he's like all fucking day do that all fucking day the mom goes why isn't he swinging i was like oh that's such a great like lifetime movie name for this movie (laughs) like why isn't he swinging (laughs) just to put a bow on the sophie mo or tongue daddy storyline till the end (laughs) Everything is probably going to go really well, really well, 
Except that he takes fucking Zeke's advice to just be like, when everything's going great, start avoiding her for a while. Yeah. And she's going to want it more. And I'm like, oh, my God. And even, like, Zeke's girlfriend at the time was like, yeah, that'll work, but it's a douchey thing to do. But he still does it. And oh, I was like, no, because they seem so great together. This is so I know. Good. She comes up to say hi to him, and he just, like, looks away and keeps drinking from the water fountain. Oh, don't be a fuckboy. Yeah. Oh. Don't be a tongue daddy. <laughs> You know, as all this is going on, you're seeing, I guess, you know, some progression in Mo, but he's just becoming more badass. You mentioned this tongue daddy tattoo, and his parents are starting to notice. And to answer some of your concerns at the beginning, I think that, yeah, Zeke and Mo had this weird relationship from the start, but I think it was like somewhat harmless until the drug dealing started. You know, I think it really escalated, and that's when. The dad, played by John Cryer, is like really like, okay. First, he has a couple times when he's like, I can't believe this guy's still in my life. But at that point, he's like, okay, I got to do something about it. I imagine like a couple years of like them hanging out and like nothing really catastrophic happening. And now he's kicking himself for allowing this from the jump. Yeah. You know, so, okay, so he's this, you know, substitute kind of older brother for him but just as soon as like you you got like you you know that like zeke lives like by himself in his grandma's house and there's gonna be other people around that age like i just wouldn't let my kid there you're stricter than most though honestly like from growing up i don't know i think my parents would have questioned it but i don't think they would have stopped it until something happened something obviously does happen in this film and i know plenty of instances of parents look at the dad who was upstairs uh for the party right a lot of times, especially today, parents like uh, turn a blind eye to things if they feel like their kid's a good kid. That's why we need another draft. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I get to say that as someone that just wouldn't be included in like a draft now, probably. So. <laughs> no, but like, I, I see this as actually very realistic. Oh, parents it's very like, realistic. Yeah, I don't It, I don't it sucks, but parents like to be hands-off until a big thing happens because everyone thinks that their kid is the greatest kid in the world today, today yeah I, I mean by that's what it the, seems like to us we don't have kids we don't know but that's what it seems like to me at least yeah i mean and john cry like it's not like everything like uh, the things that he then says like i agree with like when he goes and he confronts zeke he's like what am i like am i supposed to be his friend like i'm his dad and you know like all, all that kind of stuff but like just the way you know the i understand he sneaks out of the house when he's grounded but just like in the moment or i don't know what i'm trying to say i feel like though we also know a lot more of what's happening i think one of my favorite scenes there's a lot of good to me like john cryer pete davidson like confrontation scenes yeah uh, by the way in, in one of pete davidson's stand-ups he says that he looks like John Cryer, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> so I wonder if that ever came up on set. <laughs> no, but like, there's one time where he says, and I forgot which one, where he's like, trust me, the whole Eddie Haskell bit works yeah. on my wife, but not me. And he's like, who's Eddie Haskell? He says something along those lines. <laughs> but yeah, I understand because I think they built kind of a decent relationship when he was the boyfriend. He didn't seem like that bad. And they, they've like come to trust him, but they don't exactly trust him. They're kind of waiting for the smoking gun. Yeah. Unfortunately, it ends up being too much too fast, if you will. And you mentioned that whole hot boxing scene. And that's when you start to look, I'm so conditioned. I know you are too, to watching these movies and expect like there to be some kind of big character breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And I thought that maybe 
Zeke, Pete Davidson's character, would be, I don't know, eventually understand his role in this kid's life and be like, wait, no. And we do almost get it a little bit later. Is it, yeah, is it before that that, like, there's the that car confrontation? That's before that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a little bit of, like, back and forth. When it comes to that, they they are arguing, but eventually, you know, eventually, like Mo keeps like relenting to him, and when they have the hotboxing scene, is like he sees a random friend on the road. He's like, "Yo, you want to get high?" Essentially, sure. He invites him in the car, and then Mo's like, "Listen, I have something with my family. I can't do this." And he's like, "Yeah, you're right." And there's like a pause, and there's a moment of like, "I shouldn't do this." And he's like, "Eh, fuck it," kind of thing. Like, "Oh, you'll be okay. You'll be okay." The whole time, too, like Zeke is saying to him. You know, you're 16. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It does. Oh, it does. It's... Exactly. Like, it's not going to look good applying to college that he was expelled. No. And oh, God, I feel so com- bad. But... Community service. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this movie does, like, a pretty good job of then, like, showing repercussion at the end, at least. Like, it's not glorifying. So, I, I, know, I know I've told you this on the side, but I've been watching the show Brockmire a lot recently so besides the baseball thing it has like the commonality to eastbound and down but those are just characters that like we're laughing at their comedies but they're just like guys with addictions and again this is a comedy that's like all said and fine but then certain people i think watch something sometimes and obviously like glorify it just because they're like oh this guy's hysterical so if i drink booze like i'll be you know i could be hysterical like him and it's almost like to a lesser extent i feel like if kids watch this they might take away the line like oh yeah you know what i'm only 16 like i can't get really get in trouble until i'm 18 which yes you can't be charged as an adult yeah but you still can get in trouble yeah exactly so it does a pretty good job at the end of showing just repercussions i think yeah i know for sure and, and you know and this moment to me is a great one when he shows up like super high coming home and he's trying his best not to be and it's front of the grandparents and i think this is a very modern parent approach that they took in terms of hey go upstairs because you know you don't want to tell the grandparents and like his conversations he has with him and they're not even like oh what's going on they're like you're you're high you know this yeah. is to stop oh, god high and then that tattoo oh my god <laughs> Come downstairs, do not say a word to your grandparents, and we'll talk about this after dinner. Okay. What the fuck? It's a pen. It's a pen, I swear. No, no, you just got out of the shower. No, put your hand down. Put it down. Put it down. Put it down. Now. Put it... Tongue daddy? Oh, please You, you, You permanently inked tongue daddy to your skin. Oh my God. What does that even mean? It's fine, it's an inside joke. So why did you put it on the outside of your fucking body? Because I'm an idiot. Oh, you are really on a roll tonight. What are you guys yelling about? We could hear you downstairs. Uh, Go ahead, go ahead. Show what you did, tongue daddy. Please don't make me. Enjoy not being buried with the rest of us. So I know that they grounded him. I wouldn't even let him like drive any, I I guess maybe I'm learning I'm gonna be a very strict parent. (laughs) I don't, know. I don't think I'm going to be if I am one someday, but it's just like, I don't know, there's just a really, this isn't like a Amy Poehler mom and Mean Girls, you know, 
<laughs> that's the far extreme. But like, if on a scale, if you've got, let's say, like Amy Poehler to, I don't know, in your high school movies experience, give me like really strict parents. I can't think of some off the top of my head. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we strict parents. You know, Amy Poehler's zero, then really strict ten. These guys are like a three and a half, a four. I feel like. I feel like because I had younger brothers, I saw this more, but it, this is pretty realistic to how parents actually are. I guess I just didn't experience because honestly, I was so, I was so straight edge. Like, no, I, I think you're right. And, and my sister as well. Like, exactly. I make I my say, sister I'm not look dissing like... your sister by saying this, but yeah. If you were straight edge, your sister... My sister's that. a high school librarian now. We'll leave you it at Keith that. You were Keith Richards. Exactly. And I, and I was straight edge, so there we go. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, exactly. It's tough. I think, too, like, they seem like pretty button-up people. And the, the sister seems like a pretty good person, except for her, her, uh, <laughs> her Zeke dalliances yeah so I, I just don't think they expected it and i don't think that they like knew how to do it i don't think they were like had this bad kid their whole life and then they knew like one thing leads to another i think it escalates really fast yeah and that's why i said earlier like it's like the parents then like the sister then zeke and then like you know mo as far as like who should know better and just how like this kind of weird relationship and so the sister in some sense i understand so like at the time that she and zeke break up what they're like 17 years old or Mm -hmm. something like that but you know he wasn't as much of a delinquent at that point but he was you know letting uh mo sip beers at that point and that kind of stuff like the she should have been a little bit more like yeah mom dad like don't let this happen the only thing i'll say to that is i'm not saying it's good i think she says it a lot she's like stay away from my brother there's a whole time when again like you mentioned the kiss pete davidson comes up there thinking they're gonna do something and it's just a big chat to be like stay away from my brother oh yeah she even she says it to mo when pete davidson goes into i actually i wrote it down i was like boy they're talking at such a normal level when uh zeke is in the other room with doug like she's just saying all these negative things about him like she's (laughs) talking at such a regular like i'm always accused like kyle you're being too loud right now that people can hear you yeah you see that a lot of movies though but it is yeah but it was just like so obvious like in this like you know like kind of like loftish apartment it was just like i don't know from an acting like range i would have been like you know bring him in like a little closer and be like why did you bring him here you know like (laughs) but the the famous thing is in sitcoms right where they're like oh yeah hey could i talk to you for a second like yeah and they step five steps away yeah. Yeah. If me, you, like Joey and Mike Manzi were in a room and I said to like Joey, I'm like, hey, Joey, can I talk to you for a second? And walk five steps away. Are you not eavesdropping? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> or you just like, huh? or even if we step like, if I said to Joey, like, can I talk to you in the other room? Wouldn't you be like, what's going on? You know? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> famously, that never happens in sitcoms, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it it is strange. I I think it's something where everyone has like a, a vice. They're not perfect, so they're not ready to handle these things when they happen. Is there anything else before we get to like the ending couple scenes that you wanted to mention? No, I mean, um, just thinking of Zeke's breakup with again whatever, like Holly or whatever her name is, and then she has Mo come over and just how casual then like. Zeke is with like, oh wow, you lost your virginity to Holly. That's awesome. Honestly, I kind of liked that. No, exactly. This is weird. Like, it's I. I feel like I'm being very conservative on this episode. (laughs) Conservative, Kyle. This movie makes me feel weird. Like in the, it it really is making me like actually think more than I necessarily would, even on like other like 
deeper movies. It's it's kind of interesting. It, I think it's unique to this genre, to this age group, as far as even like you said, like critics said, like oh, there's more heart than you would think was funny. But there's a lot of like quick little funny moments, and I and I give that to um, I'll say you know the the writing and Pete Davidson and Griffin Gluck, like he he's really good in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Una Lawrence, like they all like the the timing is really it's it's sharp it's witty in this movie. But then yeah, there are there's moments of heart. But then it's even it's weird because you get like I was tricked for a second because when in the end in the uh, when they're having the conversation inside of the fast food place. Like for a second, I think Pete Davidson's, you know, he's like, oh, I miss my best friend. And he's like, so what do you think? That was a good, you know, like, it's exactly. like, oh, shit, and I fell for it. What they and that's taught exactly us. what I was going to say. There's so many moments where you think this like big heart to heart is going to happen and it just doesn't. And that's one of them, right? Just to set the scene. Zeke's girlfriend breaks up with him because she finds out he's probably cheating on her. The funny thing is like they were kind of just like fuck buddies for lack of a better term until he saw that the sister was in a serious relationship and then he's like you know i feel like it's time to get serious with someone yeah it says that should be in something more adult yeah <laughs> so he's with her he's clearly not ready for it she breaks up with him and to get definitely to get back at zeke she invites mo over and they have sex which is not out of nowhere because like Mo has been checking her out the entire movie. Zeke even catches him. And, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a scene later at the house where they're talking about it and he admits to it. And I'm expecting either like a blow up from Zeke or this kind of like heart to heart conversation. But you're absolutely right. Instead, he's like, well, you lost your virginity. You know, like, he's, he's like hurt for like two seconds. But it's more like fucking bitch you know like i think he says those yeah words. which is definitely i mean it's it's obviously a, a choice of the movie and like just like the tone to make like to have obviously just be like a f- funny moment in a movie but also for the character is like or that you know the person that he is a defense mechanism yeah absolutely and that's that's the second thing I was going to say, too. This is just the shield he's built on himself. And this is why he stays so immature. He doesn't like dealing with negativity and failure and those kind of things. He just says, fuck it, a lot of times. Oh, my God. When he's doing karaoke and then he's doing blow in the bathroom with this woman. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, you're having is a good time. Is it something you've experienced I'm go- before? Yeah, I'm good. You're good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Oh, exactly. That is in a nutshell, just how he powers through like all the bad things that happen to him. He's just like, whatever, you know, I'm cool as shit. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, like, I mean, you know, it's definitely a little moment of like when there is like the raid on the party and it's just like, so he's driving down the street. He sees a single cop car go flying by, you know, sirens and lights. He decides to follow it, and that leads him to, like, the street that the party's on. It's, you know, it's not like it, it was a little bit of a, like, Das Mahina, like, kind of moment. Uh, but but as far as then his character goes, like, yeah, then he sneaks in, like, the backyard. And, oh, my God, am I just, like, so, this This is one of those movies that I had a very jealous moment of, I mean, I'm, I'm being very Zeke right now that, like, I've got an idea and I want to use this. I've always... <laughs> love that song where the boys are mm-hmm. actually just a fun little anecdote to include that so that's from a movie called uh you know same title where the boys are and it's about uh i think it's takes place in the 50s maybe early 60s and it's about young women going down to uh 
Fort Lauderdale for spring break. And I think for at the time it's a progressive movie. I might be mistaken, but I feel like maybe there's like an abortion involved or something like that. Or maybe one of them gets pregnant and at least abortion is mentioned, which for a 1960s, late 50s movie is a big deal. And it was, it was a movie that like my mom saw when she was younger. And uh, I think we tried to find it one time for her and um my sister went to go order it but it was actually it was a, a porno by the same title where the boys are <laughs> that's great you bought your mom porn <laughs> no like almost like she was about to check out and we were like looking at her or whatever like it was like a very like early like trying to find it online for purchase and it's like nope that's a porno don't buy that but that's just like i love the usage of that when he jumps off the roof and then uh, when Zeke is carrying him away. I love that. And I love the, that other, you know, when they're dancing to that album. Uh, yeah. The dis- the disco thing yeah, earlier, but too, um, too tough. Yeah. Too tough. But yeah. Just to set that scene. Um, Mo has been punished, you know, for the high incident. He escapes anyway to go deliver drugs to this party because this is pretty much going to be the biggest party. And they, they've all been themed. There was like a wall street theme one. This is like a, police themed yeah, one. Yeah, this one the parents are away, right? I think the parent yeah. Thrown the away. parents are away, so that's why it's like a it's like a full house party. And Stacy at school's pressuring him. Everyone's pressuring him. Even Zeke is pressuring him because like that's like gonna be like a big score. Zeke quit his job because he's making money on the drug thing. Yeah. Or we'll say one of the moments of Mo being more mature than Zeke and he's like, why the hell did you do that? you know so he goes to this party and... End of this moment, uh, Stacy had already been interrogated by the cops. Yes, Stacy has been interrogated by the cops because he had a moment where he, I think he was high or drunk, and he ran his car off the road and left it there, and he easily gives up Mo's name. So they really need Mo to go to... The, Mo really needs to go to the party because they, they want to break the drug ring rather than just, like, busting all these kids. So um, when they come in, I love it because everyone else is dressed like cops. So no one believes them. Yeah. Like who who invited the dad? (laughs) And you're right. When Zeke is coming to rescue Mo, it looks like it's going to be such a heroic scene. And you're like, wow, this is the moment he realizes that they are best friends, despite their age difference. And everything after this point is going to be okay because he rescued him from this party. And they're going to realize how much they care about each other, how much they need each other they're gonna stop kind of dealing with drugs you could see like zeke getting a real job quote unquote and mo like oh shit that was close and taking his life seriously getting back with the girl but none of that happens he approaches the girl at the party and he brings her upstairs and he locked the door thinking something more was gonna happen she's like all right i kind of forgive you but i don't like you anymore and he's like not angry but he's kind of shocked yeah he's like but you but you but you kissed me. Yeah, because that's how, honestly, I think this was secretly kind of a comment on previous teen films because they would have totally got to back together at that point. Like, there's an apology, and it's like, oh, all right. But she's like, nope. Uh, the cops come in. He runs away. Zeke saves him. And almost nothing changes because he goes to school. And we knew this because this was the real opening scene. Yeah. But he goes to school, and he gets arrested anyway. He gets expelled anyway. There are consequences to actions. Think of a movie we talked about on this podcast, Superbad. There's very little consequences to their actions, even when they were like dicks or, or people were vomiting on people. They got the girls in the end, and kind of, you know, everyone was happy with each other. Yeah. But that's, I'm, not, I'm not picking on Superbad. That happens in every teen film. And in this, 
it really didn't happen. And it, it's funny. I remember again, not that I really ever. I mean, I really didn't go to any like parties in high school, but I remember watching Superbad and being like, like when I came out, like, oh, this is a, like a more realistic like high school film. Like it just most people felt somewhat age appropriate in it and just like what was happening you know of course it was just like that's an over-the-top comedy so this is just like the next like notch down like obviously just time progression and like evolution in general and how we perceive things but it's a comedy with you know a lot of realistic sensibility to it absolutely and i think that's what the critics said when there was they're like, oh, it wasn't as funny as I thought, but it had a lot more heart. I thought it was funny, but it also had heart in very unexpected places. There's even two more moments after, like, you're saying, like, oh, like, maybe, like, this would be the turning point for Zeke and, like, Mo, and, and then his relationship with Mo. There's even two more moments after this in the movie where, like, it's like, I feel like it's like, a, uh, gotcha. He says to him, it's after, right after this scene, and he says to him, like, put it all on me. But then Mo goes like, "No, I'm not gonna do that." Mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. like I thought this was gonna be the moment because like Zeke, whether he's lying to himself or lying to Mo to make him feel better, saying like, "What are they gonna take my?" Uh, I forget what even what friend picked like. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, I forgot. It's, I think it's some band or something like that. Yeah. But um, you know, he's like, "What are they gonna get, take from me?" It's like, "Oh no, you said it earlier. Like you would go to jail if you're the face of this operation." So I thought I thought that was like his moment too that he's like he's gonna take on like more of the blame and be like yeah I, I pressured him into it and that kind of stuff and then even later after when John Cryer comes and then Mo comes in and for some reason John Cryer walks out and lets them have a moment again I'd again be like no like get back in the car <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair Mo says to him oh no no I'm sorry this it's 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 the last scene when they're at the restaurant he's like. Um, watching a movie with my parents tonight. He's like, "You want to come over?" It's like I th- like in another movie, in another realm, alternate universe. This movie then would have had Zeke come over, and he would have almost like had the full family thing. Yeah, like no, the understanding right. parents like, would be like, "Oh, like you're our adoptive son in some kind of weird way." I don't know. And that final scene that you're you're talking about to me was so good. You know, Mo pretty much he's got to go to new school. He has to change his whole life. Um, he shows up at a drive-thru, and Zeke is there, and it just cuts to them inside the fast food restaurant, and they're having this conversation. That's where he mentions that he's writing a movie and stuff like that. But it's a callback to before, because he's like, you know, I lost my best friend. And in an earlier scene, Zeke was saying how he could be an actor, and the, what do you call it, like the prompt, if you will, like the exercise they do is like, tell me your dog died. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's him saying that. So you're like, I'm like, oh, wow. So he did learn. He's like, nope. And he's like, yeah, you know, I got this job, whatever. Um, you want to hang out again? And it's it's Zeke essentially, in a, in a, his own cool way, begging Mo to hang out again. Mo says he has a thing with family. And you know they're not hanging out again. You know, you see it in, in Mo's eyes that, oh, look, who knows? Like, things might change in a big way. But you see it in Mo's eyes that, like, wow. I can't believe I spent so much time with this fuckboy who ruined my life. I know he takes responsibility too, but he's changed. Mo has changed. Yeah, Zeke, Zeke is, is the just same like, guy. We got an experience. We got a story out of this. He's yeah, like, that's oh, what more, more than like, that. I was expelled. Like, yeah, he's like, we have a memory now. Yeah, we have a memory now. <laughs> so Zeke, like, just I know it's a movie, so like we can just like can be like glossed over or whatever. But like in real life, like he still would have gotten in trouble even if like. Like, especially because he makes 
isn't there a reference early in the movie, like a throwaway line about the weed? Like you can't get too much because of something like it, it is like prescription level or something like that, I think. Because it is in those little jars and everything. What I gleaned from that is that Mo just didn't rat him out. Like he was like, you know, I just, I, I'm not telling you who I got it from. And the school and the cops were like, he's expelled. This ring is over. You know, they're probably not going to get, hopefully not get drugs anymore and stuff like that. I, yeah, I know exactly yeah, what you're I, saying. You know they would go harder on it and be like, who is your source? I would who think so source? because even if Mo isn't doing it, then his parents would be like, we know he's been hanging out with this guy. Like, go. Yeah, and, like, known associate. Know. But yeah, yeah, no, who, who the hell knows, right? Like, and then and, like keeps it. But again, it's small town cops. Yeah, maybe they just wanted to end it there before there was like a news story about it or something. And also to keep going with my strict parental persona that I'm building up on this episode. So we learn that he's expelled. We see him doing uh, you want picking up trash or whatever as you know uh, restitution. I think it's called not even community service. And then he goes and he takes the piss test or whatever, and he stops at the fast food place. Like, I would have, like, phone tracking on with my kid at that point. Like, they're not lingering and eating in that establishment. They're going from point A to point B to point C. Like, there's no, like, middle ground. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I hear you. But, again, he's about to be 18. There's not much you can do. Maybe he has turned 18 at that point. You know, at the end of the movie, it does seem like he's learned his lesson. It does seem like, too, that, like, uh, John Cryer as the dad is, like really like yeah i fucked up too like you know i need yeah. to just be on top of this guy so i think they trust him enough and you know they're right in trusting him enough because like i said it doesn't look like he's gonna hang out with him again i know he has like this meeting as a courtesy but it definitely seems like something an adult would do right like if you saw an old friend who maybe you shouldn't hang out with or maybe you don't really want to spend time with and you had like five minutes to talk to them you probably would talk to them you probably yeah yeah more every, plans every- Every way he Mo answered Zeke was in the in the ambiguous. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I love that so much. This is not a feel good movie, and I, maybe that's what the critics were talking about. But it is a uh, to me a well made movie, and I, I like these realistic movies from time to time, especially when they're like funny realistic. This wasn't like sobering for you know lack of a better term. It wasn't like oh my god that kind of way like people are dying, but it was realistic in a sense like oh wow. Like, the people you hang out with do matter. Like, if you do these crazy wild things in high school, they can screw you up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there are consequences. That's the... <laughs> what, did, what, did, uh, what did John Cryer dad say? Like, it just takes 10 minutes of stupid to ruin your life. Yeah, yeah. So true, so true. <laughs> Very true. That's, yeah. Any other uh, moments you wanted to mention when it came to big-time adolescence? Um... No, I, I, it was it was a pleasant surprise. I feel like I've been on such a variety of like movies on on high school slumber parties. So this was this was a ha- this was a happy surprise. I would definitely tell people to uh, check this out, especially in the in a in a time of quarantine. This is a podcast where the movies are like the genres vary a lot. You know, it's yeah. not like we're only doing action movies or something like that. So this was a pleasant surprise for me as well. Uh, before we grade things, though, we have our awards. And the first award, it's kind of tricky, but I do have an answer. I think Joey, wow, again, mentioning him a lot today. I think Joey mentioned this, that older movies are easier to answer than newer movies for this question. But the Wooderson Award, a character who you would have liked to see more of. Was there anyone in here, like this is an easier one to answer than other ones I'm going to ask, but was there anyone in here like, wow, that person was really fun, really funny, or really interesting? I want to see more of their story. Um... Well, just the fact that uh, 
there was a couple of Zeke's friends that, you know, from Machine Gun Kelly to uh, um, just a couple of his, like, buddies that are in the house that I know are, like, actual, like, you know, comics and stuff like that. I feel like there could have been a bit more fun rapport between them. But besides that, no, I think I, I think everyone had their enough time in the sun. I thought the movie was very balanced. We learned a lot about... Oh, characters who didn't get a lot of lines which to me is always a good sign of like fleshed out ancillary pieces and and something it's a bro driven movie so i mean if you want to sit like as far as equal screen time if you want you know like obviously there wasn't as much story involving female characters um but no no yeah i get that but to me i i actually agreed with you i think like the friends i would have liked to see more storylines again again the machine the machine gun kelly character not even knowing this entire time that Mo is in high school is amazing because when he brings over, when he brings over Sophie, yeah, he's like, you know, she's like seventeen, right? He's like, like not cool, man, not cool. not cool. Like, and he's like, he ends up being like an actual nice guy inside. If he thought that 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 Mo was like in his twenties or something, but he's yeah. not. <laughs> no, so I agree with you there. Okay. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there anyone whose omission in the film would make things better? Like, did anyone, any storyline where you're like, eh, I don't need that, or anything like that? Um, I mean, he's necessary to the plot, but I actually, I wasn't a big fan of the character, Stacy. But he's necessary to the plot, so I, I, I guess still keep him in for the same amount that he was in. It's not like he was... In a, in a crazy amount. Um, yeah, I couldn't really find anyone here. I thought, again, like, it was really well balanced. There was no one, like, there was no, like, side storyline that I'm like, oh, come on. Or I actually was talking about a film that you and I have talked about a lot and have seen where I was like, wow, this is the weakest part of the movie. And that's Goon. Not a high school movie, but, like, Jay Baruchel, who apparently is, like, the person who pushed the entire film, right? Like, it's his baby. Yeah. It's probably the worst part of Goon. Like, that's, Uh-oh. to me, a, a character who... I'd be like, yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> yeah, just like it, it, Goon has this like it could have been to me like um, not wacky comedy, but just you know like a good comedy sports film, like little offbeat sense of humor kind of stuff. But then you just get like I, I just wouldn't necessarily like let's say even to uh, my uncle who is the on ice announcer for uh, for the Rangers be like, ah, right, you gotta check out this movie, because I would just be, like, kind of embarrassed of the Jay Baruchel character. Like, yeah, it just, didn't need to be, like, a gross-out, like, yeah, you know, just yeah, comedy, but it, it not in the punching ways. I totally get why there's, like, blood and violence, but not, you know, in the whole sexual humor ways. But again, it wasn't like, I was, oh, this is gross, but just, like, it took away from what could be an amazing film. I, I still like Goon, but you know what I mean. But the point yeah. is, like, those are the characters I'm kind of talking about, and I didn't see too much of that here, and I was pretty thankful yeah Um, definitely and you know what to go back to the wooderson kind of thing i actually wanted like i wish there was i i felt like john crier like he was in an okay amount but like his scenes they weren't long scenes i kind of wish there was like a scene where he and mo had to hang out or something like that we got like a little father-son bonding i would have liked more crier or just like a family movie night, more of like we never see besides like the grandparents over and the sister in the living room. Like we don't get like the core four like hanging out in the beginning and like Zeke being I don't know like unwelcomed or something like that. Maybe a little bit more with that. Yeah, I could see that. Again, this was a pretty short movie, so they could definitely could have added more John Cryer moments because I thought he was really good. You know, I again I know you didn't. I didn't really watch Two and a Half Men, but uh, you know he plays a good dad. What can I say? <laughs> 
America thought so for like 10 years. Okay, Cameron Fry Award. Anyone in here who you thought was miscast as too old to be a high schooler? Too old to be a – no, no. The, o- the only one person I'll say, and I'm only saying it because they make a joke of it in the film, is the pitcher from the other team when they're playing that baseball oh, scene that you mentioned. okay, yeah. Because they're literally like, how are you in high school? You looked so old. You know, and he did look <laughs> old. But I thought that was funny. Like, I imagine I could be completely wrong. I imagine that was just like Pete Davidson improving. They're like, Pete Davidson, just be a dick on the stands. And he said that and they kept it in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but again, nothing uh, here. I, over the last, I would say, five years, they've done a really good job of like casting people who look age appropriate and good for them. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. Got 84% by the critics, 83% by the audience. So for like a modern film, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. So what's uh, your grade from an A plus to F scale? Um, I'd give this a, a B plus. And I think that's fair. So I'm going to give it an A minus, but I'm right where you are, like teetering on that brink. I, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. I laughed. I loved the message, if you will, I would, like you said, I would definitely recommend it to a friend. To me, what makes a good movie, as you and I have now watched so many movies for podcasting, I'm starting to understand, A, what I like in movies, and B, what to me makes a great movie. Mm-hmm. I might not necessarily like it myself, but if I could sit there and be like, hmm, I know someone who would love this movie and recommend it to them, I feel like that's a mark of a good film. Like, if it fills a niche with somebody, I think that's awesome. And for this film, I think someone could be like, wow, I think Brian would really enjoy that film, you know? like, <laughs> So it's almost the opposite thing, but it definitely hits me in all the points that I like to be hit. So bravo for them. Good job. Uh, underrated film, I think. Maybe not underrated, but I okay. Under the radar film, because I don't think enough people are talking about it as like a fun thing to watch. And I hope they do. Yeah, um, I definitely, like I said, it was a it was a pleasant surprise, uh, a welcomed addition to what films I've guested on thus far on this podcast. Yeah, it, it definitely it, to add to like what you're realizing as far as like movies and you know what you're what you enjoy, what you know it meets on your checklist. It definitely like it it hit a lot of check marks for me. I'm, I am definitely becoming more like I think picky as i as i uh get older and it's just also tough because there's just so much to choose from that like sometimes you know like you'll watch something and then it just like leaves such a bad taste in your mouth that you're like i'm afraid to just even watch something new again and you can just kind of repeat <laughs> watch even just because there's just i get so much stuff you know that i'll just repeat uh instead of starting a new sitcom i'll just rewatch episodes of parks and rec or oh, something yeah. like that i do that all the time <laughs> or just the fact obviously that um what was the american vandal that i had no clue about and i definitely as far as i'm on plenty of webs you know websites daily of just like tv and film notifications and that kind of stuff and that just flew past my radar but so yeah this this film uh is i'm sure under you know under the radar but hopefully this podcast this episode uh will help maybe you know <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah that'd be that'd be good i'm sure you know it's uh i'm sure pete will be thankful to me yeah exactly good old you good old petey go to you go to his mom's he's probably quarantining at his mom's maybe uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh we have to go to that uh was that Q, q's uh uh brewery in staten island 
Oh yeah, oh, so much to do. It's giving me anxiety. Like, I can't wait or whatever it's called. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, no. So it's it, it if also if anything, it just um, it made me more. It definitely made me more excited for any future projects of his. Like I was looking, you know, I'm, a, I'm definitely like I. I, th- I think I've seen everything Judd Apatow has like directed and produced. So I'm sure I was, and I know Bill Burr's in that movie or whatever, but nonetheless, like I'm even more excited for King of Staten Island. I, uh, I'm a fan of Pete Davidson's. Yeah. And again, he has such a bad, like fuckboy reputation, but you know, it, the dude can act. The dude's funny. You can't deny that. Yeah. I've enjoyed that. You said he was on like Mark Marin. He was on an episode of, uh, you made it weird with Pete Holmes, one of my favorite podcasts. And he was a while ago, but, and he was great on that he's just uh i feel like a pretty candid person and i and i like that style of uh, person or you know personality and also sense of humor so okay a couple more questions for you first you have to bring a big time adolescent sleeping bag to the slumber party what is it looking like Ooh, what would it be for this movie that's a good one um i'm either stuck between like sushi like a roll of sushi looking Mm. one or maybe like tongue daddy, just like a nice <laughs> embroidered tongue daddy kind of one, and like in the zipper could be a tongue. <laughs> I could see that. That's yeah, cool. that'd be fun. <laughs> okay, you and I we're stuck in quarantine together. Theoretically, we've decided to quarantine the entire time, but we're having a slumber party. We've gone on demand and rented big time adolescent, but. I don't know. Well, I guess that scenario doesn't make sense because I say it's a rent two movies, get one free deal. Whatever. We're watching three movies in a night and you get to pick the other two. One of them is big time adolescence. What are the other two? Ooh. Um, hmm. I don't know. Could be anything, but you know, something that's nice to relate to the film, but if you can't, that's fine. Hero dreams of sushi. Oh, cool. (laughs) I was going to say, if if you don't have another suggestion, we could just watch Pete Davidson stand up and see if we like it. Yeah, no, honestly, it, he he dreams of sushi and Pete Davidson stand up. That's <laughs> lovely. Sounds like a plan to me. All right, Kyle. Well, some sake. Mm, I love sake. Uh, again, we should talk about this on Foodie Films, but we we didn't appreciate that sake brewery in Asheville when when we were down for the bachelor party. When I went down again, it was so damn good. Next time you find yourself in Asheville, Ben's tune up. Highly recommend everyone out there. But yeah, I'm a big Saki guy. I know a lot of people aren't, but Saki's awesome. So yeah, I we were, we were, support that. we were brewery hopping. So just like, I don't know if I, how well, like then switching to Saki in the middle of the day would have bowed for me. So of course, of course. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a night, but you know, you've been on this show a lot, but why don't you tell people the other shows on the cage club podcast network that you host and where they, where they can follow you? Well, as they've been, uh, shared already but uh so you and i are og podcast of ps i love hoffman and that has now become ps i still love hoffman where we rewatch the uh movies that we've already covered but it's fun because we have who we've dubbed the hoff fans our listeners but you know we, we we realize i think we're pretty modest podcasters and realize that people are tuning in for more the, the fandom of philip sumer hoffman movies than our vocal antics so we have the Hoff fans vote between two movies, and then we review that one in the time of 
quarantine, we've done actually a couple movies in a row because we do those mid-month episodes where we just kind of catch up with maybe any, you know, unfortunately, obviously, since Philip Singer often passed, it's not like there's a lot of news on him, but around award season, that kind of stuff, we do those mid-months. But anyway, P.S. I still love Hoffman, still having a blast watching those movies with you and talking those. And then I've got foodie films past couple of months now i've been doing a good and this is how i plan on keeping it is doing i've got two different episodes where we cover food-centric movies and then i have episodes i have dubbed first cut where i talk with people that work in the food and food and drink industry and so i go back and forth you know every other week those kind of episodes you've been on three in a row now i'm sure during this quarantine time at least you'll be on another i know there's just there's a bunch of food movies because we tend to have a lot of meals together and uh, yeah and uh, it, uh, by the way i don't know if you saw but hbo max comes out may 27th so we get our friends back foodie friends oh, just saying yeah we did back <laughs> in th- we did the friends givings two two episodes where we covered what one episode was season one through five and then six through ten all the thanksgiving episodes but yeah, there's so many great food episodes of that. Oh, there's show, so many yeah. great, yeah. So there friends will definitely. I I can say for sure that there will be. Um, maybe we won't. I won't have to save them for Thanksgiving, but maybe that could become our Thanksgiving tradition. We'll talk some friends, food episodes. True, true. That's a good idea too. I wasn't thinking that. I'm not going to program your show, but that that's fun as well. Yeah, but we tend to just I mean between sharing meals and obviously exploring. Uh, new restaurants and that kind of stuff even just like the food there's just a lot of food films i think we both really enjoy so uh you will be on plenty more episodes to come of foodie films so you guys should tune in for those and uh any of the other podcasts because uh talking we just did one recently of the founder which is didn't fly under the radar like this movie by any means but i think it's that would fall more and fall more into a underappreciated category. It's a great movie. For sure, for sure. Well, always a blast having you on. I wouldn't be shocked if you were on again during quarantine as well, as who knows how long it's to last. But, you know, always a blast. And thank you for watching a new movie with me. Thanks for having me. Big thank you for Kyle for coming on for the movie. Big time adolescence. I don't know why I said it like that. But <laughs> always a pleasure having the foodie films man himself. Like he said, check out Foodie Films Podcast. It's a great podcast. Also, check out our podcast together. P.S. I still love Hoffman. P.S. I love Hoffman. The Philip Seymour Hoffman Podcast. And check out all the other great things on the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Remember, Fridays are for fun. Hanks and Cruz. You got Too Fast episodes on Friday. And speaking of Too Fast you might get a little surprise, a high school slumber party surprise on the latest episode of Too Fast, Too Forever. Check that out, please. And speaking of Too Fast, Too Forever, our guest next Monday, remember guys, we're bi-weekly now, our guest next Monday is the wonderful Joe Two. And yes, he's brought us another Lifetime film. This one is called Identity Theft of a Cheerleader because that's right, folks, we're back on Cheer Mondays next Monday. I guess we all do things sometimes that aren't really what anyone would expect. Some people would kill. You're a teenager now? To go back to high school. You're a 30-year-old woman? And her extracurricular activities are deadly. You've been promoted to captain. Was your life really that bad? That you had to pretend to be somebody else? My mother always said I lacked ambition. Identity theft of a cheerleader. 
premieres Saturday at 8 on Lifetime. Oh, doesn't that trailer make it sound so juicy? I cannot wait. These are always so much fun with Joe, too. So definitely check that out wherever you can find it. That's your homework. Of course, your other homework is your usual homework. Class participation, right? Big part of your grade. Hit us up on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on MySpace, on, on uh, I don't know, Zanga, on anything else you could think of. No, just the big ones, Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebook. Of course, you can email us, too, at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. That's highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. Thanks so much, as always, guys. I love this. I appreciate it. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Much love. Let's say goodbye with another song on the soundtrack. Kyle mentioned it. Connie Francis, Where the Boys Are. And remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you can miss it. Later, dudes. Go.